I recently had the opportunity to listen to the testimony of a very sweet and dear friend of mine. And first, while I was listening, I just couldn't help to think how strong she is in her faith at such an early stage in her walk. But also, while she was talking, she said this phrase that really struck me and I couldn't help but just really mull it over and continue to think about it as she said it. And it goes like this. If God is real, why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? And truly, there was just a profound moment where I wanted to answer the question, but I genuinely didn't know how. And that's really where this episode comes into play. I wanted to answer probably one of the biggest questions that we face as Christians that can be extremely difficult to answer because it's really just so weighty and it tends not to make sense a lot. So that's what we're going to tackle in this episode. We're going to read some scripture, going to dive right in, and going to have some fun. You're listening to Theology Gals, a podcast for women to learn theology in a practical and applicable way. Come join the roundtable and discover all that God has for you. Here's your host, Jari. One of the most difficult questions to answer as a Christian is, why is there suffering if God is real? And it really brings just such a weight to the question when it's asked because a lot of times it comes from people who may not believe in God and it's really difficult to answer because there aren't really a lot of teachings or resources out there to answer the question and really equip somebody to answer it to somebody who just doesn't believe in God or even does and be able to answer it well. So when somebody asks, why is there suffering? Why is this happening? A lot of times it comes from something personal. Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? I don't understand. If you believe in such a good God, why did he allow X, Y, and Z to happen? Really fill in the blank. And a lot of times there the person is asking from a place of sorrow and just deep hurts and really deep wounds because it's true if God is good and God is all of these things as we learned previously God is holy God is great God is love he has all of these positive qualities how could somebody who loves us so much and provides such beautiful and wonderful things for us allow such darkness to happen and just to be present in the world this is truly a weighty question so let's dive right in I want to start by reading Romans chapter 8, verses 20 and 22. It says, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Now I know that was a lot, so I suggest rewinding and listening to it again, maybe two or three more times, just to really soak it in, but I am going to break it down. So, what exactly does this mean? Well, creation, meaning all that God has made, essentially is suffering because sin entered the world. If we recall, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the tree of knowledge after they were told not to, that's when sin entered the world and where this word frustration comes in, or uh, some other versions use the word futility. It came in when sin entered the world. God didn't create the world in this way. He didn't create 
creation, us, the animals, the earth, for it to have sin in it. That was brought about by our choice and our free will, or rather Adam and Eve's choice and free will to choose. So that means that sin causes suffering in an indirect way. Because of sin, the earth is corrupted, deteriorating, painful, evil, all because sin was let in. So while God is not the author of sin and of evil, he is the author of good. James 1, 13 through 17 states, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then when desire conceives it gives birth to sin, and when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Do not be led astray, my dear brothers and sisters. All generous giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or the slightest hint of change. Now that being said, many people like to argue that God made everything, therefore he must have made evil also. But the argument against the argument is that God is the author of everything in the creative universe. However, evil is not a thing or a substance. It's a deprivation. It's a lack of something. For example, blindness is a lack of sight. Pain is a lack of health. Hate is a lack of love. So that stands to reason that God didn't create evil. He created everything that is good evil and suffering and all of these things are merely a lack of the presence of what God created. So if that's the case, then why doesn't God just get rid of all evil altogether? Why doesn't he just destroy it, get rid of it, say sayonara, throw it out in the back? <laughs> well, if God were to do that, he would have to go to the root and the cause of it. If you get rid of something, you want to get rid of it altogether, not just the symptoms, not just the appearance of it. If you get rid of weeds, for example, you don't just want to get rid of the fact that they don't look good. You want to make sure that it doesn't come back. So if God were to do that with evil, he would have to do that with the cause of evil. And that's people. He would have to destroy people. And why would God want to destroy the very thing that he created? Another question that tends to get asked surrounding this bigger question is, well, then why doesn't God just make people unable to cause suffering? Well, to do that, God would actually have to take away our ability to choose because choice and free will are a good thing in God's eyes. He wants us to choose even when it comes to him. God wants us to choose him, to choose to love, to follow, to seek him. It's not something that he wants us to do just because, because we're not robots. He didn't create us just to be this special society, this little, the first image that came to my head was like this little Lego world. When you're playing with Legos and you have the little Lego people, you're the creator of this world that, you know, you played with when you were younger and you basically decided everything that happens. You got to dictate where your Lego people would go, what they would eat, how they would play, who they would make friends with. And from the outside looking in, that seems pretty cool. But imagine if you're one of the Lego person. That probably wouldn't be very nice. You'd probably start to think, well, 
what's the point of me being here if I can't decide anything? And that's why God doesn't want to be that person in this scenario. He doesn't want his Legos, stay with me here, (laughs) to end up feeling like, They don't want to be in the world that he created for them. As fun and wonderful as it was to create the world, he wants the creation in it to be prosperous and thrive in it as much as they can. If God is all about love, um, as we saw before, that the nature of God is love, it's probably one of the biggest terms um, that really surrounds him. So if God is love, forced love is really not love at all. So to have a universe include love, God had to make us with choice, which includes the choice not to love, unfortunately. And that ultimately leads to sin, evil, pain, suffering, all of these things. So as we're building really on this question, and we understand now that because we have choice, there is suffering, to make a long road short, that then begs the question, well, then why do things like natural disasters happen? Now, there is a scientifical explanation for it, but the biblical explanation is because God had to lower the perfection of creation, um, you know, all of the animals, the environment, the earth. He had to lower the state uh, from perfection to a state that would match the spiritual state of those who live there, which are the people that he created. So while God has sustained the people he created and the the things that he created for example providing things that actually sustain life so like the sun rain for food just sustaining life um for example colossians 1:17 says he himself is before all things and all things are held together in him so while he does provide good things too much of a good thing can have an evil byproduct. So, for example, water can still drown someone. Gravity can still kill someone. Lightning can still burn and kill. It's just the natural effect of what creation has to deal with because it is lowered from that perfection that we saw in the Garden of Eden. And another question that I've heard before is, well, why doesn't God just let us choose to get out of suffering? And that's a really good one. And the answer is actually that he does. Um, He's that gracious and loving that his response to the condition of this world, the evil and sinful nature, is that God provided personal salvation. He provided the promise of eternal life in heaven where there is no suffering. And I know that that's probably not an answer that many want to hear. It's something that can be difficult to swallow because we want to end suffering now. But God has a perfect plan and a perfect timing. And my prayer for all of you that are listening is truly that you will get to a place one day in your life where you will actually be grateful for whatever struggle you went through. That one day you can get to that other side, look back at everything that you endured and suffered through that trial, whatever it is, and truly say, God, thank you for allowing me to go through that because without that, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't have learned that lesson. I wouldn't have seen and been shown these new things that truly helped me on my life and on my faith journey and really shaped the person that I am. That's something that I genuinely believe helps us to have faith in the fact that Christ came down to die for our sins, 
that he came down for the promise of eternal life and of heaven where there is no suffering. So while we may want and wish for our sufferings to end immediately and may even ask, why can't we just get out of this suffering? That's where we have to remember that God's timetable is not our timetable. God's concept of time, as we learned previously, isn't even the same as our concept of time. We don't know what his timetable even is, really. But what we do know is what Romans 8.28 says. And it says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And again, this is probably an answer that many may not expect and could also be really difficult to, I guess, accept. Um, you know, if somebody's telling you through your suffering, well, don't worry, God will work it all out. In the moment, you're probably like, okay, that's great, but how? Or why can't this just end now? Or how is he going to work it out at this moment? And it's probably not one of those nice, fuzzy answers that you're hoping for. But as the scripture says, the kisses of an enemy are worse than the wounds of a friend. A friend is going to tell you that even though you're going through this, I believe that God will use this in some way. And it might sting in the moment, it might hurt, and it might not be what you want, but it's going to be one of those things that you'll remember on the other side, that you'll remember, man, God, you really used that person to speak through me the words that you needed me to hear. And if you're probably feeling like, man, I don't know if I even have a friend that would say that to me, I'm here today as your friend telling you that whatever you're going through, God will work it together for good. He's going to use it in some way. In the moment, it probably doesn't feel like that. And I encourage you, find somebody around you who's older and um, has probably just lived a little more life that can pray for you. Somebody that you trust, that you can confide in, who will be able to just really walk you through this trial, um, through whatever suffering that you could potentially be going through, to find comfort in the right areas. But I am here to tell you, as your friend today, that I genuinely believe that whatever you're you're going through, God will surely work it together for good. So if suffering is inevitable, as we've covered and we've learned about, um, I really just want to talk about what are good reasons for suffering. Really just kind of turning the tables and putting a different spin and view and outlook, if you will, on suffering. Because once we're on the other side of it, we tend to think of it in a different way and in a different light. And you know, as I've said before, I just pray that one day you do get to the other side of that where you can say, I'm glad I went through that. So speaking from that viewpoint, what is a good reason for suffering? Well, the first reason is that it allows us to be able to deal with this sinful world in a better way. So for example, suffering, pain, it can keep us from doing greater evil, doing greater acts of just sin and wrongfulness. So for example, if you touch something that is sharp, you're going to cut your finger and immediately know, oh, I shouldn't touch that again. And also, oh, I shouldn't touch the even bigger thing that is also sharp. Like when you um, go to a broken window, if you try and touch it, it's probably going to cut you. So you're not going to stick your entire hand on the broken window. One prick of the finger does the trick. It does enough to warn you, hey, this is not okay. You shouldn't do this. 
that pain keeps us from doing anything worse, really. Um, in the same way that when you're a child and you get a spanking from your parents, it keeps you from doing worse. Although it might hurt in the moment, it, it helps you in the future. Another reason that suffering can be good for us is because it teaches us to turn to God for the answers. Part of what helps us have faith in God is knowing that there is another side to the suffering, that at the end of our days, there is something on the other side for us, and that's heaven. That's our, um, I don't want to say escape, because I feel like that will probably give the wrong connotation, but there is a new day coming. There is the promise of deliverance from this suffering of the world. And that's really more of a big picture, eternal um, solution, a more temporal, if you will, more day-to-day solution to suffering is either holiness in God or safety in general, Um, whether that is through God or just how you live and the safety measures that you put around yourself. That's why we see when people have children, there are child safety things that you can implement in your home to keep that child safe. Another reason that suffering can be good for us is because it really improves our character, um, which in turn produces reward for us eternally. James 1.12 says, Happy is the one who endures testing, because when he has proven to be genuine, he will receive the crown of life that God promised to those who love him. Now I know that was kind of a big scripture, but essentially what James is saying in this passage is that there is a reward on the other side of this, and that reward is holiness, it's maturity. James one twenty four says, For he gazes at himself, and then goes out, and immediately forgets what sort of person he was. Now I know that may sound a little vague, but the intention behind the passage is that, you know, when you go through these things, you go in one person and you come out another person. And that really in turn just produces our eternal reward, which we saw in James 1.12, where that's the crown of life. Now, the final way that suffering can be good for our lives is because it allows God the opportunity to show his grace, his love, and his mercy, and really just care for our sinful condition. Now, outside of context, this can kind of seem a little backwards and can um, almost just come up as, well, wow, God allows suffering just so that he can swoop in and save the day. And we've kind of already debunked that question. Um, And like, I guess that myth where like, no, God doesn't necessarily um, make suffering happen so that he can come be the superhero. Suffering is a byproduct of the actions that occurred in the beginning of Genesis. So because of these actions that have occurred and because of the consequences of those actions that we to this day deal with, um, God is still loving enough and still merciful enough to show his grace and his love for us through all of this. And that's where Revelation 21.4 comes into play. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will not exist anymore, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the former things have ceased to exist. God not only comforts us through our suffering and shows us his love, but he also provides a place where there is no more suffering, and that's heaven. That's 
really what all of this comes back to heaven, that eternal place that we can look forward to and have faith that we will get to as believers in Christ, that even though all of this suffering occurs, that we may go through these trials and the things that we just go through throughout life because we're human, that on the other side of all of this is the eternal promise of heaven to be with our Savior forever. I hope you learned so much throughout our time together. It would mean the world to me if you were to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Even take a screenshot of the episode and share it on Instagram. Tag me at Theologigals and let me know what you think. I want to know what you thought and what you want to listen to next. Until next time, this has been Theologigals. Thank you.